Hey, this is Heather. Hey, this is Liz. This week, we're talking about our top 10 parody movies of all time. Let's hit that music. So recently I started thinking, actually I was talking to someone about, I guess I was playing in the Castaways chat room and started talking with them about different parody movies, right? Or we were playing with GIFs as you do and one of them popped up and it happened to be from one of my favorite parody movies and it just kind of clicked in my head. I was like, why have we not talked about parody movies? Like that's that seems like something we should talk about. And so yes. I, I messaged you and you're like, you just want to talk about space balls. And I'm like, well, maybe. But <laughs> there are other movies that I think that are also very important that fall into that genre. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We have each actually made a top five list. So we'll have a top 10 list total. And and per Heather's request, we sent them off to producer Craig to make sure that we did not have duplicates. Though I will throw in a caveat that I added a different one at the end um, that I did not run past him. So we'll see if that happens to be on there. But I doubt it because like eight people I've ever met in my life have seen this movie. So for our audience, I wanted to clarify the term parody because I think that this is one of those words like um, cliches, right, that we use a lot and may not specifically know what really makes something a parody? It's uh, so I used Wikipedia because it's official. It's all of us. <laughs> it's the most legit source on the interwebs. Yes, especially if you want to cyber bully somebody and you have a lot of friends. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so a parody uh, is also known as like a spoof or a lampoon, a caricature. And it's generally a joke uh, is a work to imitate, make fun of, or comment on another original work, or to be satiric, ironic imitation. So, yep, that sounds that's sounds pretty right. much what I meant. Well, yeah. <laughs> the reason why I said that is because when I sent my list to producer Craig, he came back and said, "I don't think you know what a parody is." <laughs> so, mine may not be parodies. In the traditional sense, but I have justified every parody, like what it's making fun of in my list here. Okay. Well, you know what? Fair enough. Because when I did send it to Craig, I assumed we would have at least one that Me was too. similar. And he's like, nope, not a one. I was like, well, all righty then. So, he and did I asked me to clarify one. And so I'm thinking that we might have two that are very similar. Okay. Well, I have a couple on here that, or at least one on here that I don't know if everyone would consider it a parody, but I definitely do. So we'll, we'll get there. We are the podcast of the people. And if in general, we think that's what it is, we're going to go with it. And I will say, I also pulled the people. (gasps) So after we go go. through our top 10 list, we are actually going to also hit uh, some of Twitter's top favorite parody movies, because again, we like to have uh, some say from our audience to prove that they are in fact actually listening to our show, which is helpful. (laughs) And, uh, and I even have a question that comes up later. So we'll, we'll get to those. So I think what we should do is we'll just go through and we like, let's each do our number five and then go four, three, two, one. Did you rank them by number or did you? I did. And I start five is the lowest and then four, three, two, one. Yeah, that's what I did. Uh, Okay. Well, I'll give you mine. Okay. Because this one is probably the one in which Craig had said that I I don't know what a parody is. Mm -hmm. Um, It is Wayne's World. Well, yeah. So, no, they're making fun of the public access radio shows, right? And yeah. they're also got metalheads. You know, hey, what if a bunch of metalheads had a free public ac- access radio? Mm-hmm. I think it's funny. Well, it is funny. And the thing is that Wayne's World is a Saturday Night Live movie, right? So, like, yes. all Saturday Night Live movies, even including things like Ghostbusters, Night at the Roxbury, things like that, they are based on 
skits, which are usually based in some form of satire on real life Something. things, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I it, I don't think it would have been on my list. I think any of the SNL stuff I would always consider because you know that is like these lampoons and skits and things like that that yeah. qualify as parody. But I remember loving this movie, and I think I was in eighth grade when it came out and I went and saw it with my dad and my dad has the same sense of humor I have well I thought this movie was the greatest movie of all time but I was pretty young (laughs) I'm probably the core demographic and so then I recommended it to my mom and my stepdad and they went and saw it and now they still to this day you know how many how many dozens of years later they say that I have the worst tasted movies and they never listen to anything I suggest all because uh. of my suggestion that Wayne's World was the greatest movie. And at the time, it was. And I still stand by that it's one of the greats. Well, here's the deal. When Wayne's World came out, we were, you were exactly right. We were the core demographic, right? We were, the, we were watching Saturday Night Live. We got all of this pop culture lingo and the no way, way and yeah. swing and all of that kind of stuff. And it was just, it, it was almost like The Simpsons, right? It was just so ingrained in our everyday lives and our culture. So when it comes out, it's like, oh my gosh, it's a movie for us. Oh, I love it. And so I thought it was a great, I still think it's a great movie. I will still sit down and watch Wayne's World. I think it's hysterical. Uh, My my favorite part of the whole movie is when he is talking to Rob Lowe, Wayne is talking to Rob Lowe and and he's doing all the product placement and like Pepsi (laughs) and like Domino's pizza, like the whole thing. And he's like, we will not bow down to corporate sponsors. Ching! So, I, I mean, those for me were just hilarious. And that is definitely satirical because yeah. it's like the tropes. We're pointing out the tropes in these movies, and that's what makes them more of a parody. So that's a good one. I like it. I do want to let the audience know that normally at the end of every episode, I will give a in-context or out-of-context internet quote. And I decided, for the benefit of our dear listeners, once again... I will actually give a quote from my movies. Oh, damn. I wish you would have told me. I know. I just thought of it. Well, <laughs> you start thinking. Trust me. I can quote every line of most of these. So Okay, good. So I cannot do impressions. I don't have that kind of voice. So I am going to read him deadpan. All right. So here is my in-context quote for Wayne's World. Schwing. <laughs> Swing, <laughs> total tent pole, dude. <laughs> you know what was funny though, because I was I was young enough when that movie came out that I got, or I was old enough that I got a lot of it. But there were some of them that I still didn't oh, I full know. on get until a little bit later. So that's that's where a lot of some of mine also come from is because they're from that same era where I didn't a hundred percent know why it was really really funny, but I knew that it was really really funny and I could appreciate that. So I'm with you. And now I want to go watch Wayne's World. So I know I do too. In fact, I was thinking I need to find it. We should make that a classic movie review because I think it counts as a classic now. Oh, it definitely does. (laughs) All right. Coming soon, people. Coming soon. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Party time. Excellent. (laughs) All right. So that was your number five. It's awesome. My number five is probably on a lot of people's list because this one is absolutely a classic parody. It's a Mel Brooks movie. And it's actually one of two Mel Brooks movies that made it onto my list uh, for this particular list because he really is the parody genius. Like, yes, nobody makes a good parody like Mel Brooks. So the one that I picked for number five is Robin Hood Men in Tights. 1993. OMG, that movie was awesome. I fucking love this movie so much. Now, again, it came out right around the time that the Kevin Costner Robin Hood came out. Now, we've had a million Robin Hood movies, right? We had yeah. a cartoon one, and we have all these other ones. Kevin Costner's Robin Hood Prince of Thieves comes out, and it's like this big romantic ballad of a movie, and you've got Alan Rickman and all this shit. And then Mel Brooks brings it to the level of complete classic genius to where 
You've got Carrie Yules, Elways, however you say his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Lewis as Prince John. Amy Yazbek. She was in a lot of stuff. She's like wings and shit in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, and then Tracy Ullman, who was like the height of comedy kind of in that era. And I just love this movie so much because it t- it's t- it tells the story of Robin Hood. If Robin Hood were maybe, I don't know, slightly on meth and running through the forest with a bunch of crazy people instead of more of the martyr, uh, you know, rob from the rich, feed to the poor. This is much yeah. more of a, I've got a blind guy that follows me around and we let him fight with a sword, but he's cutting, you know, he's hacking a column into sawdust and they tow the house away because he couldn't pay the taxes and he's just left sitting on the john the whole time. So I just, I just love this movie so much. And okay, so Richard Lewis, I don't know what has happened to him. He used to be such a comedic actor of his time. He's just like all but vanished, I think. I think he's but, on Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't know. I hate yeah. that show. But yeah, his mole, he has a mole oh. in this movie. And it just it just travels around his face throughout the entire time. And what's so funny about it, it's not just that it travels and it's a ha-ha for the audience. It's that the members of the, the troupe are also recognizing that this mole is moving and they're like breaking fourth wall. And I, I love that about Mel Brooks movies because he doesn't, he's not afraid to break the fourth wall and just talk straight to the camera. I, I, just, I don't know. I love this movie. And then, of course, the Men in Tights song is just oh, yeah. the greatest thing ever. So women in tights, tight tights. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Go I can't around sing. the world looking for fights. Ah. <laughs> 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 I'm telling you, I could probably recite most of that movie word for word. I just, I really love it. Do, do you have a quote? Cause I have a quote from it. Well, hit me with your quote. Pissed off. If I were that close to a horse's penis, I would be more concerned about being pissed on. That's a good one. <laughs> So uh, my quote is very in context because they basically spend this entire movie. Everyone is trying to get into Marion's everlast chastity yeah. belt, right? And so they, you know, at the end of the movie, they've got the key and they go to put it in and it doesn't work. <laughs> They're like, call the royal locksmith. Like this is the first time anyone's thought of, well, just cut the shit off, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I know. I recently watched that again, and it holds up just a well, great show. You know, honestly, I think a lot of these parody movies hold up over time better than the ones that they're spoofing, because it's meant to be ridiculous. Like it's, we don't go back and go, Jesus Christ, look at that mullet, because they made the mullet four feet long, right? Like yeah. they made it so over the top, like uh, the battle between robin and little john right to cross the bridge right well the, yeah he's like, you know and and uh Achu is like i'm on the left side i'm on the right side i'm on the like he's just <laughs> jumping it because it's a it's a stream it's like it's like a puddle like there's nothing there but they're having this big axe battle or this battle with these big sticks and they're beating each other with the sticks and they get down to like the little tiny you know they're whacking each other's hands like whack-a-mole style and then all of a sudden, like Robin pushes John in. He's like, I can't swim. I can't swim. <laughs> he's in one inch of water. And this giant, it's so, it's just so over the top and ridiculous that you just cannot help but have a smile on your face at the end of this movie. I agree. I agree. So yeah, that was my number five. Okay. All right. So here's my number four. And this one may be a lot like one of yours because I was asked for clarity. Okay. Okay. It's Austin Powers Gold Member. Hmm. You don't have Austin Powers? I do not have Austin Powers. Oh, okay. So I thought that's why he asked for clarity. Mm-mm. Most important about Austin Powers Gold Member is the first five minutes of Gold Member, which is the funniest shit I, you, I can't even describe to you. It's a parody of its own movie, which is a parody of spy movies. Right. Tom Cruise plays Austin Powers <laughs> and Steven Spielberg's there. <laughs> Right. Oh, oh my gosh! It was just—it just cracked me up. Did you? Did you ever see it? Oh, I've seen all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the original one. I think better, but the second was good because I think that's when we got the freaking sharks with the freaking laser beams on their heads, right? So yes. However, I put that as my quote of the day because I forgot Uh, that was from the first movie. Sorry. No, I think that's from the second movie. 
So I say, I think they got the sharks in the second one. Maybe not. Yeah. So there was a lot of uh, cameos in this because Ozzy Osbourne was in it. Sherry Osbourne. All the, all the Osbournes were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at the very beginning. Steven Spielberg. And then um, uh, Tom Cruise was himself as Austin Powers. But instead of it being gold member, it was Austin Pussy. Mm-hmm. And so and Danny DeVito was mini me. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> that's great. funny. It was the greatest parody of parody, and it was so meta. I just love it. It still is my favorite. Okay, so I have to tell a story here. You know, you tell the story about telling your parents to go see uh, Wayne's World and them like totally jacking you for it for the rest of your life. So uh, my parents have been divorced for a really long time, and once upon a time, my dad like went on a date with somebody, right? Like. This has not been a thing, but he went out on a date with this lady, I don't know, a couple of times. And I think for his birthday, she took him to go see, and I don't remember which one it was, but it was one of the Austin Power movies. And apparently this was just a complete and total deal breaker for my dad. He never (laughs) talked to her again. I was like, Jesus, dad. (laughs) He's like, nope, done. So my dad is also one that will unfollow friends on Facebook if they post too many pictures of cats in a row. So, oh, but cats are the best part of Facebook. Eh, apparently, he disagrees. So, <laughs> but he's kind of grumpy. So you do what you do. All right. So yep, awesome powers. Okay, Excellent. So, so here is my quote, deadpan. Even though you already know what it is, mm-hmm. are those freaking sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their heads? Mm-hmm. There you go. It wasn't as good deadpan. (laughs) Oh, well, Well, few things are. That's all right. Okay. All right. What was your number four? My number four, I think, is completely underrated in the world of parody movies. Now, people of our generation have probably seen this and other people have probably never fucking heard of it ever. And it's 1989's UHF starring Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, my God. This is seriously one of my favorite movies and one of the most quotable movies, I think, of my entire life. There are so many funny little lines that just pop up in this. And then, so if you're not familiar with this, uh, Weird Al plays a character named George, and he's a total fucking loser. Can't keep a job, all of this shit. He and his roommate, you know, they can't hold jobs. They're constantly getting fired. They're making Twinkie Wiener sandwiches because that's all they can afford to eat for dinner. And apparently George's uncle decides to retire. He owns a small UHF television station. Now, again, people who have only grown up with internet and cable in their life are not even going to know what a UHF station is. <laughs> so this exactly. is almost this is almost the public access of TV stations, right? It's not your major networks. It's the it's the channel 20s of the world that we had when we were growing up, the, you know, whatever. Yeah. So he leaves him in charge of the station and their programming is just garbage. It's totally garbage. They're like at the bottom, like the cameraman's falling asleep during the thing. And he has to find a way within a certain amount of time to make the station profitable. Otherwise, the big network in town is going to come in and just gobble him up, right? And uh, the the big bad in this is Kevin McCarthy. He's been in a ton of these kind of movies. He plays R.J. Fletcher. And he's just like, if you think of like the angry, grumpy guy, like that's him. And he, you know, so he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come in and buy this. He's like, no, no, I'm going to make it work. Fran Drescher is in it. She's like the world's worst secretary. It's so funny. And so they decide that, you know, to turn this station around, instead of playing these old movies and bad commercials, they're just going to make all their own TV shows and commercials. And so they, you know, they bring on... Uh, they bring on this Asian guy who's the loud screaming Asian guy who runs a game show called What's in the Box. And it's kind of like a let's make a deal. Which one do you pick? And I pick this one. Oh, you're stupid. You're so stupid. Like the whole thing <laughs> is just hilarious. Uh, they're like, we brought 23 badgers. Badgers? We don't need no stinking badgers. Like the whole <laughs> the whole thing. So those are my quotes from the movie. But it's just yeah. really fucking funny. Um, Michael Richards, who played Kramer on Seinfeld, yeah. is in it as Stanley Spadowski. Is he the janitor? He's the janitor, but they basically give him his own show 
when George gets depressed during the telethon and decides he's not going to do it anymore. <laughs> and then they steal his mop and he goes nuts about the mop and turns all Kung Fu and shit. They've got Weird Al in a Rambo get up and it's, you know, yeah. looks at a guy and he explodes bridge over the river Kwai style. I mean, it's just, it literally parodies everything that has ever existed. So yeah. Weird Al embodies parody and Mm -hmm. so he's you know he's a great pick well i will say that when when i mentioned this to you this is actually the movie i was thinking that i wanted to talk about it was not space balls though i do love space balls so (laughs) there we go so that was my number four all right well i'll go to my number three then okay now this movie i wasn't intending to enjoy as much as i did it was 21 Jump Street. The new one? Yeah. Okay. So I went to I it. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Not thinking much of it. And I laughed so hard. I just, I couldn't stop. It, you know, obviously it's a parody of 21 Jump Street. Right. But that shit was funny. And Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. So funny. They were so perfect. And Who I love how they, they worked that out. And I like that they c- continued to acknowledge the fact that they all look way older than a high school <laughs> student. In in the original 21 Jump Street series, if you're not familiar with this, a bunch of like the young undercover vice cops like go back to co- like go back to high school to figure out who the drug dealers are. But it's like Johnny Depp and Richard Grieco, who at the time were like 30 fucking years old. They have like five o'clock shadow at, you know, 8 a.m. I mean, it's ridiculous. It, it just like who would believe this guy is in yeah. high school like nobody would but i like when they're reference you know kind of self referential like that and i think the first movie i really remember coming out that kind of did this where they took like a classic show and just completely and made it of itself but just spoofed the shit out of it was the brady bunch movie oh yeah you remember when that one came out and you've got uh shelly long as you know mama brady and all this other stuff and you're just watching it going well this is new like this is a different way to redo something you know we're always so annoyed when everything gets remade or it gets rebooted or blah, blah 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 but doing it in this kind of fashion where it's bringing the humor and the things that we all questioned when we watched them back in the day you know, we're like, well, why aren't Marsha and Greg just getting it on? They're not actually related, you know, yeah. and in the movie they do. So <laughs> same kind of thing with the 21 Jump Street, like I said. And then at the end, they even have the cameos yep. of, you know, Richard Grieco is in there and whatever. And it's just, yeah, yeah. Johnny Depp was in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it. I thought they did a very good job of it. And I really enjoyed it because I don't think I would have appreciated a 21 jump street just remake in the drama style no who cares you know that's yeah so yeah that's that's a really good one i like it all right here's my deadpan quote all right you guys are here because you look young you some justin bieber miley cyrus looking motherfuckers (laughs) that's a good one that's a good one very nice all right so my number three is another mel brooks classic and it is in fact Spaceballs. I knew it'd have to be Spaceballs at some point. Well, of course it has to be Spaceballs. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I'm a Star Trek fan. All of these things are totally, I mean, they they hit um, The Wizard of Oz. They hit Star Wars. They hit Star Trek. They hit, oh, shit. Like, I think they have an Indiana Jones kind of thing going on at one point. Like, there's there's all these, these amazing things that are happening in it. And it's just the most ridiculously stupid storyline you've ever heard where you've got uh, President Scroob, who is the president of uh, Planet Spaceball, and they are gluttonous morons, and they have all, they've used up all of their oxygen. So, like, the first thing they show is him, like, sniffing a can of Perry Air, and it's like <laughs> yeah. fresh, fresh oxygen canned on Druidia and whatever. And so their their big master scheme is to take this, the world's biggest fucking ship that takes five the first five minutes of the movie just to crawl across the screen star wars style (laughs) they're gonna go and they're gonna suck all of the air out of this other planet so it's just ridiculous but it is got i'm sorry it's got john candy in it and i love john candy and john candy plays mog who is half man or he plays barf 
Yeah, I was like, I thought his name was Barf. Yeah, it's Barf. <laughs> it's Bartholomew. Uh, <laughs> he plays Barf, but he is half man, half dog, and he works it. It is hilarious. Only John Candy could have played that role. I really oh, I can't know. even imagine anyone else. Yeah, because he does have this like lovable personality. Mm-hmm. But even you've got Joan Rivers, you've got Mel Brooks playing a couple of different characters in here, as he tends to do. Rick Moranis, back before he retired from acting, who I just absolutely adore Rick Moranis and everything. And he plays Dark Helmet. And Dark Helmet's costume has got to be the fa- this, the greatest costume of all time because it's supposed to look like Darth Vader, but almost in like Funko Pop form. It does look Funko Pop. He is a tiny human Funko Pop. Like he's got, he's got this massive helmet, this tiny little body. He's got shorts on over the unitard and like a tie, like Vader's wearing a, a friggin' necktie. Just hilarious. So. Yeah. I agree. I really enjoyed that movie. It's one of the better satires out there. It is definitely a parody. But so uh, my my favorite favorite lines from this movie. Not sure if I can deadpan them, but so they say, "Found anything yet? Nothing here, sir. What about you? Nope, nothing here. What about you?" And it's the two black guys with the afro pick going, "We ain't found shit." And by the way, that guy plays the Vulcan on Star Trek uh, Discovery. Tuvok? Is that his name? You know what I'm talking about? Tuvok is the Vulcan on uh, Voyager. Which, whichever one. Yeah, that one. That's him. That's him awesome. playing that guy in Spaceballs. So. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Did, did you- <laughs> <laughs> it, could, it could not have, like, it had to be on the list. I mean, it's just one of the greatest. And again, the thing I love about these parody movies is that I can watch them over and over and never get tired of them. And I can go 20 years without watching them. But when I watch them again, they're just as funny, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That is a nice thing about parody movies is they just they're evergreen. You can always watch them and laugh. Of course, every once in a while, you'll not all of them. Some of them are total garbage. Yes. I mean, if they start out bad, they usually (laughs) end up bad. Well, we maybe should have done a uh, a quick top 10 list of the worst parody movies of all time, because I could think of several to fall on those, but that's another time. All right. Uh, my last two, I'll just go with the one. I just wanted to let you know that these, uh, these are my top two for a reason, and it's more that they are more satire, and they actually shed a light uh, and prove a much larger point, and in such a hilarious way. So I feel that my top two, which I'm going to get to in a second, are funny for the sake of being true to nature and make you feel uncomfortable because of how real they are. Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. So my number two is Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. That's a good one. As you know, he's at Anchorman in San Diego. But, the, you know, there's also a joke about like the misogyny in the in- industries. And now you think about it. And it was damn true. So that started in what, 19, this was based in the 19, early 80s, like 81 or 82, I think. Mm-hmm. So, and then we hear about all this stuff with all of our classic newscasters, right? Charlie Rose, Matt Lauer, that oh, yeah. this, this, you know, women are objects thing and men are just superior in general, using their power for the wrong things ha- was actually pervasive. And uh, I love that they brought that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Will Ferrell as Ron Burgundy was awesome, but you can't forget you can't forget Steve Carell as Brick. <laughs> I don't even know how he does the. Uh, I think he's the weatherman, right? I, you know I what? I, it's been so long since I've seen Anchorman. I have very few actual memories of it. Yeah, so. the group of these are just hilarious. And then Christina Applegate came on the scene as mm-hmm. she wants to be the first female network anchor. And when she tells this to Ron Burgundy, he laughs for like 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had, had, like, isn't that the funniest thing you've ever heard? Yeah. And her name is Veronica Corningstone, which I particularly love. <laughs> that's a good name yeah so i i thought that it was not only true to life but also just completely hilarious you know obviously an alcoholic who a newscaster who can't do anything except for what's read directly on the screen in front of him because that was kind of the big turning point of the movie is that he got fired because they changed his name to say uh and fuck you san diego at the end <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> because he doesn't read ahead Mm-hmm. 
that happens. That's true with the uh, newscasters up here, too, by the way. They just mm-hmm. have no concept of what they're reading. In Houston, I felt they were much better. <laughs> well, in Houston, they had a really uh, they had a really large monopoly on serious news for a very, very long time. And so yeah. we, we don't really get a whole lot of lighthearted, lazy anger because it's a it's a really competitive media market here. So uh, Owen Conflenty one time did say, and because I lost a bet, stay classy, Houston. Tony Hunger. <laughs> that was like, this guy's my anchor. He was awesome. Uh-huh. You're like, I like this guy. He's good. I like him. So, all right. Well, that's a really good one. All right. You want the quote? This yes, is I do. Actu- this is actually script because there's two lines. Okay. Oh. So this is Brick. I read somewhere that their periods attract bears. Bears can smell the menstruation. And then Brian said, well, that's great. You hear that, Ed? Bears. Now you're putting the whole station in jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's classic. <laughs> All right. So my number two is is one of these that I know it's a parody movie, but it's almost such a good movie on its own that you kind of almost forget that it's a parody movie because it's amazing. And it's 1999's Galaxy Quest. I love this movie. I guess it is a parody. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly... Okay, so if you're not familiar with Galaxy Quest, then you need to get on Netflix right now and go watch it because it's amazing. So good. We have Tim Allen, who is playing a character named Jason Nesmith and Sigourney Weaver. And we have Alan Rickman, Tony Shalhoub. Like, this is an amazing cast of weirdo people. And basically what they are is they used to be on a sci-fi television show that ran for a few seasons and they piloted a ship in space and had all sorts of adventures. So it's Star Trek, basically. Yep. But their show was called Galaxy Quest. And now it's the show has been off the air for like 15 or 20 years. They are all completely washed up as actors. And what they do is they basically go from convention to convention and, you know, they sign the autographs and they do the poses and they say the catchphrases and they do all of these different things. And somewhere along the way, real aliens have come across what they consider to be Earth's historical documents. And the historical, and I'm using air quotes, which are not effective on a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but, but I knew what you were doing. <laughs> I have been using them for the last three minutes. Anyway, so they find these historical documents and they come to Earth because they think, wow, these people can help save our race. We are being overthrown by this other race, whatever. So they come down and they approach Tim Allen's character because he's the captain. And he's the most obnoxious of all of them. He's always drunk. He thinks he's better than everybody else. Blah, 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 blah. In a very Shatner-esque kind of way, I'm sure. So they come and they they like take him up to their spaceship. And he really thinks for a good long while that this is like a casting call or it's they're going to, you know, they're going to get to make another show. Like he doesn't realize that they're actual aliens in space until they shoot him up through like a big tube and he kind of turns to shaking jelly for a while and... He's super impressed. So he goes back and he's trying to get the rest of the gang on board, but they're fucking pissed at him, right? Like they just hate his guts because he he missed a thing and like nobody wants the whole cast there if he's not there kind of thing. And so they they end up having to go up. They fight these aliens, all the stuff. It's just fun. You know, it's a yeah. really fun little movie, but it really also talks to something that, again, we like to really focus on, which is that nerd culture itself of these fans who have been so devoted to this show for so many years. And when they get the chance to talk to somebody, they want to just, you remember an episode, blah, 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 when you went and you released the thing into the what's it and, the, the, and they're yeah. like, I don't know, it was a thing on wires like they. And it's it's almost that devastation that the fans feel when these people it when they realize it was just a job, right? Yep. It's it's almost kind of a little part of you. I'm not going to say you ruined my childhood, but it's almost like a little piece of you dies because you loved and invested this so much that you really even thought about the schematics of the ship, or you thought about the yeah whatever the interspecies yeah. not whatnot that's going on and. So then they have to kind of come back and bring those fans back into the fold. And I don't know. It's just, it's yeah. really an amazing, an amazing thing. And I do have a quote 
from this. All right. That uh, nobody can fault because it is said by the late, great Alan Rickman. (laughs) (laughs) By Grabthar's Hammer. Oh, what a deal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah. Yeah. He's he's, poor thing. He He gets asked to say his catchphrase all the time. And he's like, just don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yep, Carrie Ewells was talking about that at the uh, Comic Palooza a few years back. Remember, everybody was mm. like, "Will you please say, <laughs> please say as you wish?" She's like, "As you He's wish." Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> you can't make me. All, All right. right, so we're down to the number one. Yes, so here's my number one, and it is so politically incorrect. <laughs> Nice. That it's very uncomfortable to watch, and then then you feel guilty for laughing so hard at the satire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Tropic Thunder. <laughs> you know what? I almost put Tropic Thunder as an honorable mention because it is uncomfortable, right? It's so uncomfortable, but it's so good. That's the problem with movies like this, and and you know what? Even non-parody movies like um, you know Tarantino does this, where he does things that are supposed to make you feel really uncomfortable and be very exposing, like his use of like the n-word and things like that where you're just yeah. like oh i don't like this at all i don't <laughs> you're like i feel like i'm on a list now because i'm yeah. in this movie yeah but the thing is that's how people are supposed to react to it however mm-hmm. people who do not think properly find stuff like that amusing <laughs> so now <laughs> with, with with tropic thunder this was satire kind of on that behalf on that same type of uh realm where they have, a, you know, it's a parody of like Hollywood production, the Hollywood site, and then all of these diva actors. And first of all, what it takes to make a movie and the type of the different types of actors, right? So you have uh, Ben Stiller, who's the action star, who desperately wants to be an Academy Award winner, to be thought of something as not an action star. So he goes and he picks a role where he's exploiting the intellectually disabled. Mm-hmm. Then you have, you know, a movie mogul that has no problem getting everybody killed if he can get some insurance money because it will make more money than this inedible <laughs> shit show of a movie. Right. And then there was the, then this is the most controversial. There was an actor that is so method and apparently nobody ever says no to that he thought that it was appropriate not only to take the role of a black actor, but to undergo surgery to make himself black and then appropriate the most stereotypical racist version. Mm hmm. This is I see this with actors where they think that oh as long as it's my art it can't be it's not controversial. It's the Jared like, like, Leto school of acting. <laughs> Jared Leto does some things that are that are fine. I'm thinking more on the I'm thinking more on the Joker you know method acting kind of thing. So. Yeah, I thought that this was trying to be like Val Kilmer or somebody that thinks they're just too good and they're above it all and then they're willing to. Do these or like Robert Downey Jr. doing (laughs) (laughs) Robert Downey Jr. being Robert Downey Jr. I know it's perfect, and so I mean, if they had any other casting for it, I don't know how they could have done it. Mm -mm. But I mean, this guy, you know, this is how Hollywood is in love with them. This guy played blackface and was nominated for an Oscar. Right. So funny story about this movie. I didn't know anything about it when I. I guess I'd seen it come out. I was. I was newly divorced and I was you know whatever and I had started dating this guy and he's like oh why don't you just come hang out and we'll watch this movie you know which actually we did and uh, it was before the whole Netflix and chill thing it's just <laughs> we, we have Netflix and we're gonna watch a movie and so he picked this movie and I was like Ugh, I don't know that I want to I don't know that I want to watch this this is not you know because sometimes it's like you just want something a little bit not that yeah and I swear to God, I was halfway through the movie before I even realized that that was Robert Downey Jr. as a black guy. Like, I, I didn't even know it was coming. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and oh, I felt really stupid for not knowing that this was a thing. But I wasn't, you know, I was only half kind of watching the movie anyway. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's what my mom did kind of something similar was that, you know, they had those fake previews at the beginning of it. Yeah. She was like, she thought that like, they were really selling something called booty sweat. Like <laughs> she's like, I gotta get some of that. <laughs> uh, and then the, the monks, the 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 monks that are in love, and then they have that Enya mm-hmm. song playing in the back. <laughs> 
You know, it reminds <laughs> me of like when you go to see a movie at Alamo Draft House and they have all those really uh-huh. funky commercials beforehand. Yeah. Yep. That's times. exactly what it was. Oh my God. Very um, fun. But yes. So this movie was very, very funny. And, and more so because it made you just completely uncomfortable with how wrong it was. And you sit there and think there was they're you know they're just amplifying something that's currently wrong in the thing so you can think of like how fucked up is hollywood that this is like it's not so far off that you can't just make a little story about it and have it be like yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> all right good well, times I do, ha- I do have a quote from it from my okay. favorite uh this is uh, uh, tom cruise's character les grossman all right <laughs> again deadpan mm-hmm Look, fuckstick, I'm incredibly busy, so why don't you get the hell out of here before I snap your dick off and jam it into your ass? Which is funny, because it's kind of exactly how he says it. (laughs) (laughs) I loved him in it. I mean, I just loved him in that. God, was he not just totally Harvey Weinstein in that shit? He totally was. Totally Weinstein. The whole thing, it was just ridiculously over the top, and it really kind of shone a light on just how stupid some of the, especially actors and then Hollywood studios in general. You got to see that they're just completely outside of reality, uh, yep. which is, you know, why why I enjoyed it so much, but yet felt very uncomfortable enjoying it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And those are those are the ones that I think it's kind of a good thing because it does make you squirm, squirm a little bit and it does make you kind of assess and evaluate. Oh, that's probably a little yeah. bit true. Even though we're making fun of it, it's mm, well because you know there's a kernel of truth to it. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been a funny parody. It would have been like this is a messed up story. It would have been like this is the weirdest fantasy I've ever heard of. All right, so my number one movie is strangely again a movie probably a good eight people have heard of, and I honestly had completely forgotten. This is the one that I added back to my list after I had sent the initial list to Craig because. Uh, previously, I also had Monty Python and the Holy Grail on here, oh, right? That's a classic, yeah. It's just a classic. And I think it just kind of is a gold standard of how you do things. But because I loved this movie so much growing up as a kid, and somebody, and I'll, I'll get to who said it later, somebody mentioned it when I asked for, you know, their favorite parody movies. And again, I've only have like, three other people who have seen this movie and love it. Uh, and so I was like, shit, I have to put this on here. How did I even forget about it? And it is uh, the pirate movie from 1982. Have you ever heard of it? No. Okay. So this is a, it's a musical. It is a parody of the Pirates of Penzance musical. Okay. Which, yeah, it's so, it's very much uh young boy is abducted by pirates, but they're kind of good pirates. I mean, they're kind of bad pirates, but they're also kind of good pirates. They sing and dance a lot and they fight some ninjas. So that's fun. And, you know, they've got the modern major general song in there, but it's all modernized. So part of me is wondering if, if the pirates of Penzance movie, I remember as a child was actually this movie. It was probably the pirate movie. If the pirate King had a giant sack of jewels around his nuts, like an actual jewel sack that he would squeeze and it would honk honk, then that would have been the parody version. <laughs> Rogers okay, and Hammerstein did not. I it was. Yeah. Or, or whoever, if, I don't know if it was Gilbert and Sullivan, or who, I don't know who it was, but yeah, it was Gilbert and Sullivan. Uh, they did not put a jewel sack on the Pirate King in their, in their original musical, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, not really their style. But anyway, so this, um, the guy who directed this, uh, his name is Ken Anakin, and he actually also did, like, Swiss Family Robinson. So you think oh. of something that's so, like, totally wholesome and Disney, and then you have this raucous, ridiculous musical of a movie. It's so funny. It's got Christy McNichol, who was, like, the sweetheart of 1982. Like, this was her thing. It's got Christopher Atkins, who was in the Blue Lagoon with Brooke Shields with the curly blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Um it's, it's just got a fantastic cast. Uh, of course, they've got the whole modern major general musical. The whole it's it's amazing. I love it. It's so funny. I am constantly forcing grown adults to sit down and watch this movie. And I 
will tell you right now, if you did not see it as a child, you will not get it. But there's <laughs> everyone who saw it as a child fucking loves it. And I think it's because we didn't know how sexually overt and everything racist and everything else it was at the time. Because yeah. you're a kid, you don't really recognize all of those things. You go back and you watch it as adult. You're like, whoa. But I, I I'm actually have been trying for about six months to get Brent and PJ from the home video hustle to review this movie, because I would really just like to get their feedback uh-huh. <laughs> on the pirate movie. It hasn't happened yet, but it will. That's so funny. Yeah. And I'm no, going to be I- on it when they watch that fucking movie. because <laughs> It's going it's it's awesome. It's a riot. All right. So well, I may have to try and find it. I would recommend it if you don't have it. I will find a way to get it to you. Actually, oh no, shit. Okay, I didn't say this, right? It's not on the radio here. (laughs) It's on YouTube. The whole thing is on YouTube. Okay. But it's not on YouTube. Don't go do that. That's how I watched half of the 1985 movies that we did. Yeah, well, that's all right. If they're there, I I didn't put it there. You know, what am I doing? I'm not stealing it and then download it. I just clicked on a link. I can't help what comes up. It's like that damn Baby Shark song. I keep hearing that one everywhere. I didn't steal that one. (laughs) I can't get rid of it. It's the worst. (laughs) All the parents out there just started singing in their heads, and they kind of hate me now. So you're welcome. All right. But anyway, so that was our top 10 list of parody movies of all time. And I just had a wonderful idea. I think what I'm going to do is I am going to put up a poll on Twitter after this comes out. And I am going to, uh, we're going to do like a draft. Who had the better picks? You or me? See what, okay. see what the peoples think. So I think we All both right. had a good list. But Make sure you specify that mine was Austin Powers gold member. Gold member. Got it. Got it. So let's take a quick break. Um, uh, because I want to come back and talk about just some other Twitter favorites and some other things that are coming up. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. And And we we make make up the Cutaways Podcast. We're watching the good, the bad, and the essentials of the romantic comedy genre. So far, we've fallen in love with Cary Grant, met up with our terrible friend, pal Joey, and had the desire to run our fingers through Patrick Dempsey's hair. Join our slumber party for your ears every other week, brought to you in stereo from our blanket fort in Hollywood, California. You can find and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Our digital blanket fort can be found at thecutaways.com. If you are the social butterfly types, you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Cutaways Podcast. Bye! All right, so we're back. Thank you to our friends for letting us promote their show and sometimes promoting ours as well, which is loads of fun. So I I did ask, or I have been asking, because we actually planned to record this episode a few days ago, but both kind of weren't feeling, you know, weren't feeling that well, so we didn't. And so I had more time to kind of collect. And of course, you know, Twitter is now the, it used to be the land of, look what I had for breakfast, and here's what I'm doing every 15 minutes, and now it's just a giant jiff off, right? Gif yeah. off, gif off. And I'm I'm 100% fine with that. And I think that that has shown incredible growth and progress as a species. <laughs> we have just devolved into random moving pictures as commentary on life. So I'm, I'm I made, a fan. I made a gif of my dog. Did you? I haven't seen that one. It was exciting. Somebody, one of my friend's daughters, made some little movies of Lucy and Daphne with their mouths moving, singing. And oh. it looks like they're actually like tilting their heads and singing and shit. It's hysterically cute. I'll post them on Twitter or Instagram yep. or somewhere that takes video. Anyway, so I went through and I asked our, we are almost at 3,500 followers on Twitter now, which is pretty exciting for me. It is exciting. And and they all listen every week, I'm sure. Yeah, every one of them. Every one of them. Where's our sponsors? Yep. <laughs> Give us money. Anyway, so I went through and I just I just kind of asked, you know, what is your all time favorite parody movie? Because I knew there would be a lot on the list that if we didn't somehow mention it in this episode, someone would burn the fucker down, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here we go. We had a lot of or quite a few submissions and some of them were duplicates, but a lot of them weren't. So we had from our friend Walker the Geek uh, at Walker the Geek podcast, uh, say not another teen movie. 
Oh, yeah. I saw that. There was a lot more sex in there than I was ready for at that age. Well, I think it's got Chris, naked Chris Evans in it. So what? I'm, I'm not. I may have I'm to not, relive that. Not against that. Well, the gif that he posted was, uh, you know, the one from one of those movies where she comes out and she's got the uh, she's got the shaving cream or the whipped cream bikini yeah, uh-huh. basically well it shows him and he's got the whipped cream nipples and he turns around and he's got whipped cream on his butt but there's like a dildo sticking out the back of it so <laughs> kind of hilarious um anyway so that was one of i i saw that one i don't i don't remember hating it but i don't think it's one that i i saw it out again yeah. Uh, so uh, Bryfi, uh, Brian from Bryfi Podcast, also liked Robin Hood Men in Tights and all things Mel Brooks. So, woohoo. Yeah. Um, Steve from Everything I Learned from Movies told me that his favorites were Naked Gun, which is one I always kind of forget about, but I always love yeah. Leslie Nielsen in those. Yeah, that's a good point. I do forget about that too. And, and Airplane. Yeah. Uh, and Black Dynamite is his other favorite. And uh, Arlo's dad, at Arlo's dad on uh, Twitter, along with Happily Ever Aftermath and the DSRA podcast, all said Airplane. Because, again, that's another classic. Dolomite is one that Brent from Home Video Hustle told me. What's that? Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it because he talks about it constantly. And they've done it on their show. So I'll have to actually check that one out because I haven't seen it. And our dear, dear friend, Seal, his favorite is also the pirate movie. So, ah. solidarity. Uh, we've got at Mox Powers likes Kung Pao, Enter the Fists. Okay. Um, movie Geek and Proud and Top 10 Tuesdays both chose Spaceballs. Movie Geek and Proud also came in with Scary Movie. I'm assuming it's the first one because I think all the other yeah. ones were shit. I think that Scary Movie is a, a classic one. And mm-hmm. even my mom enjoyed it. So that's to be said that it, it reached all genres. Well, what's funny about Scary Movie is that it actually was kind of a scary movie. Like yeah. after Scary Movie, like when they, they just got more ridiculous. Like it was actually kind of a horror movie when you watched it. And it turned out to be dumb and you know whatever. But... Now, you know, and then they made, you know, giant spinoffs even from the scary movies, I think yeah. is where like not another teen movie and some of these other ones had things pull from as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Meg writes words gives us Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Izzy from Everything I Learned from Movies, our dear friend Izzy said Blazing Saddles. So we got oh, another yeah. Mel Brooks going on. about that. Mm-hmm. And then Top 10 Tuesdays also said Scary Movie 3. So now I am uh, questioning their sanity. Very specific okay. to three. Hmm. I have not. I don't remember that I saw past the second one because Courtney Cox annoys me and she seemed to be in them. So I just uh-huh. uh, didn't. So she we was had in one. Them? Huh? Oh, yeah. She's the I news anchor. I never yeah, seen one. She, Courtney I Cox she was is in, in it and David Arquette. scary movies. Like she is. The, that's scary she, movie three is what we're talking no, about. I thought she was in Scream. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Same shit. Oh, all right. I, I don't know. See, this is the problem with some of them is they run together, right? That, especially when they come out right after the uh, the others. Yeah. Well, there was a... I, Paul and I went to go see... What was it? Not Another Vampire movie or something that was a total spoof on Twilight and had the Edward character like riding a Segway through the forest as, <laughs> as his method of running. I don't know. It was, it was so bad. But some of things like that were just, they were pretty funny. Yeah, I know. There's kind of a fine line be- between being just absolutely terrible or to being comedically terrible. Like they had funny jokes like Spaceballs from a distance. It's perfect, mm-hmm. right? But... There are things that are so absurd that you would think that they really wouldn't play because they didn't hook together or things like that. But Mel Brooks mm-hmm. was able to like bring them together. But you can see failures of parody movies all over the place. Oh, they're littered. They're littered everywhere. And this actually kind of brings us to, we did have one question that came in and it came from Steve at Everything I Learned from Movies. And he says, oh, lots of bad movies claim to be parodies or quote, dark comedies after the fact but do you have any movies in mind that you're sure were done earnestly, but are so horrible, it's like they're parodying the genre? Hashtag The Room. That's what I was going to say, The Room. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never seen The Room. I still haven't seen The Room. 
Are there any others yeah, you well, could you think can't of? Really, it's hard to watch the broom, um, but do what I did and uh, just YouTube uh, highlights from the room. Hmm. Get a good feel for the room. Gotcha. And that's all you need is it's like 15 minute. You'll see some 15 minute clips. Then watch The Disaster Artist with mm-hmm. James Franco and you will get everything you need to know from the room. It's so terrible. Uh, it's so fabulously all I, terrible. All I know about the room is, hi, Mark. That's how it's all I got. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. He, that's that's like his acting skill. Like, oh, hi, Mark. Like, mm-hmm. he, was, he was freaking out about something. He goes in and he's like, oh, hi, Mark. Like, and he starts yelling to himself. And he goes, oh, hi, Mark. And like, <laughs> like that's he just had no concept of what dialogue or what human beings mm-hmm. say on a given day to each other. And it's Sounds hilarious. Sounds like Jack McFarlane from Will and Grace. Just Jack. Yeah, but this is uh, without any kind of emotion. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Good times. You know, you need to see You need to see it. Now I'm making you do that because The Disaster yeah, Artist right. is a very good movie. But 15 minutes of YouTube clips of the room beforehand will really make it sing for you. Got it. I'm actually writing it down right now. Okay. So, okay. So the one that I kind of thought of, because I was having a hard time with this, right? Because you almost don't really, you don't keep those movies in mind because they're so terrible. Yeah. You just kind of purge them from existence and you just don't think about it. But the one that I came up with, and it is not a terrible movie until you go back and watch it like 20 years later, right? Okay. And the one that I'm thinking of is Deep Blue Sea. I really love this movie. And I remember watching it back when it came out in 99 or whenever it came out and it was kind of it was kind of a scary movie right like it was meant to be these genetic kind of like the meg that just came out it's like these genetically modified sharks and they're going to cure cancer yeah. and whatever and then they go awry as they do yeah and then so it's kind of a scary movie so you think okay well they've just made another killer sea creature movie but it's got ll cool j and it's got got more uh it's got samuel l jackson getting eaten by a shark in the middle of a room like like random things that just pop up that when you go back and watch it later you're like what the fuck were they thinking when they made this stupid movie because it's ridiculous and it's not scary anymore right so it Mm -hmm. almost becomes a parody on something like jaws or you know these other orca and some of these other movies that came out at the time that were really trying to terrify you about these things and what if we what if this really happened i'm like it would not really happen because we don't have freaking sharks with freaking laser beams on their freaking heads like you know what i mean it's just yeah i don't so again, I think they I think they were trying in all earnestness to be serious with Deep Blue Sea as a horror movie because I actually came across it on Netflix last night as a horror movie. Like it was actually in the the horror genre and I was like, mm, "Is it? Yeah. Is it really?" Well, <laughs> you know what that that's actually just like Anaconda too. Like I'm yeah, sure yeah. they thought Anaconda was it's like so an action bad. adventure type movie and it was <laughs> awful it's so bad it's so bad oh my gosh i watched that maybe six eight months ago i don't know it just randomly was on tv it's one of those train wrecks you just can't look away from you're like yeah what is happening (laughs) but you know they meant it to be a really serious movie but it just became it just garbage so yeah um one thing that i feel like falls into this genre and i could be wrong because i've only really known it after it's become what we all see it as and that's the rocky horror picture show oh that's that's parody all over it so because it's absolutely terrible and i feel that i mean it's terrible in the all the best ways right but it's um, terrible because it's it's so kitschy and cult right like there's this could not have been a serious movie when it came out by any means. I, I, they had to have thought it was serious, though. I don't think so. I think there's two. I mean, the guy's name is Dr. Frankenfurter, for Christ's sake. I mean. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sure it was one of those ones that's like. Um, and meatloaf's in it. Nobody yeah, but, puts but meatloaf in a serious movie. I agree. I agree. It's, <laughs> um, but the thing is, you know, it was it was after a musical. And musicals can get kitschy and funny like that. Oh, yeah. And then, but when you, they turn into movies, they kind of don't work out that well. Like, um, what was the one? Uh, Rock of Ages. Now, there were lots of problems with Rock of Ages. One of them is that they tried to PG it up. And that thing needed to be dirty in order to be quite as good. But mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, they t- they took it way too serious, and that was supposed to be a way goofy movie. So maybe that was the same thing with um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. But something tells me they thought that it was like, mm. like a. I, I don't know. Again, it's it's mostly comedic actors who are in. You know, I've got Tim Curry is a major yeah. comedy actor. I mean, he's done a lot of serious work as well. But let's face it. I mean, it's Tim Curry, and. You know, young, dumb Susan Sarandon, like these kind of things are just, I I think that was just kind of like the 70s, like this is our nod to what would happen if, you know, Jane and Dick fall off the road and end up at, you know, Dracula's castle kind of thing. So I think it was meant to be kitschy. I don't know that they expected it to become the insane cult classic that it is. And honestly, I I know I'll take flack for this. I don't get it. I I mean, there's some great songs in it and stuff, but you have to uh, watch it live with, you know, when they have the live audience. Oh, I've done it. I've been to the River Oaks Theater at midnight doing that on a Friday night. I've done it multiple times. I still didn't get it. I know it's weird. But I wouldn't, wouldn't mind if some of our movie pod squad would uh, enlighten us on the actual motivations behind it. Because I know some of them know it pretty well. Sure. Let us know. Yep. Hit us you're up. allowed to mansplain this one time. <laughs> Unless you're a woman. And then womansplain away, lady. Yeah. I use mansplain so. with women, too. <laughs> oh, someone in my household was mansplaining to me last night. And I had daggers shooting out of my eyeballs so mad it was not my husband i'm just gonna throw it at that all right anyway one thing that we need to announce is that we have chosen our next book club selection oh yeah people should start listening to this should actually start listening or reading this i found this book at the public library was able to download it to my kindle and i read it in a couple of days you read it entirely too fast because i'm like three pages in and she's like i'm done Well, but here's the deal. I started reading it and I got like a third of the way through and it slogged. Oh, it was such a, I was like, I'm at 12%. Shit, I'm at 14%. This book just goes on. Then it picks up and it gets better. Way to to sell it, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) It gets better. (laughs) No, no. Um, So anyway, this this is one that you you found somewhere. It wasn't one that either one of us had read before because we're always trying to expand our horizons beyond just our own bookshelves. And it is called Red Rising by Pierce Brown. And it's the first book of a series. And it's going to be really cool. So if you haven't read the book, go find it, read it, and catch up with us in a couple of weeks whenever we do the episode on it. uh, Because I have a lot to say. I already, I finished it this morning. I have a lot to say. Okay, And no one has finished it. So it's like divergent all over again. Oh, divergent. Oh, that's awful. Anyway, no, I just meant that I just meant the waiting for the others to finish. <laughs> it's like, hurry oh, up. Go okay. Talk. All right. Anyway, so get out there and find Red Rising. You can find it at the library you can find it on Amazon. Uh, and then after that, we'll probably be hitting Harry Potter and mm-hmm. the Prisoner of Azkaban because I think we're on book three. Yeah. So those and- are our next two book clubs coming up. Make sure you read up and uh, you can you can converse with us on it. Do you have any uh, recommendations? Um, yes. Well, I'm going to recommend the Salt Lake Fan Days or whatever the hell they call it now. Fanix. Mm, Fanix. I think it's, yeah. I think it's Fanix because I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Producer Craig's going to be there. I, he has some panels that are coming up and we'll give you more specifics on them uh, when they come up. But some of them are some cool fan panels that I'm pretty excited for. I'm jealous. Their lineup looks amazing. I know. Jason Momoa is going to be there. <sighs> Shut up totally going to fly to Salt Lake. But yeah. we actually have another show coming up in September here. We mm-hmm. have the Fandemic Tour that was supposed to hit Houston last year, but unfortunately, Hurricane Harvey hit us first. And yep. They couldn't be here. But they last year, I think when they set it up, it was more like a Walking Dead kind of thing. But this year, they have expanded. They have quite a few other people. Sebastian Stan, um, I don't know. Quite a few it's other people some, are going to uh, be. I so. think Michael Rooker, maybe. Oh, um, yeah. Rooker's going to be there for sure. Yeah. He's also going to be at uh, Fanex. But they ha- just had the pandemic here in Sacramento. I guess mm-hmm. I say here. That's like a three-hour drive. But whatever. Close enough. Eh. Here-ish. Here-ish. Actually, I think it's like two and a half. But, but nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, we considered going up there, but it was during that like month of Comic-Con. Right. I was just like, I can't. Yeah. Well, this one, this one's coming in September and I'm working with uh, another group to see if we can kind of go in and get some press passes for it to just cover it instead of having to run around and do panels and stuff like we do Comic Palooza to get some more interviews and see what we can find. Okay. Well, I'm excited to hear something. I'm sure you'll talk to Sebastian Stan. Yeah, I, I totally it will go home with him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, in a completely let's go to Coral Sword and play a game uh, kind of way. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Uh, I was going to say, I, ha- I do have a recommendation for this week. Paul and I were searching through Netflix for something to watch last night. And I've gotten really big into documentaries, especially regarding nerdy things and toys and comic books. And we ran across one called Making Fun, the Story of Funko. So it is the the history of the Funko, what we call Funko Pop, basically from back in their bobblehead days up until, you know, current. They just opened a gigantic new home base storefront in Everett, Washington, which apparently is like 30 minutes outside of Seattle. So when we take our train trip up there, then yep. we'll totally have to go to Funko. And I'm watching this show and it's, you know, it's great. And you see all these people, you see Kevin Smith and just other random people who are really big in the nerd world. And then they, they're, they're showing like a meeting and in walks Ming Chen, our friend from the comic book men. And there was, that's who it was. It was the, the gang from comic book men were coming in to talk to Funko. And, you know, we know Ming from comic Palooza Super cool guy. So it's always fun when you just randomly see somebody you know in a documentary on Netflix. So I, know, I highly recommend cool. giving that one a watch. It's very, very good. So do they ever explain why they went from squatty legs that could stand up on their own to little skinny legs that you have to prop <laughs> against the wall? Uh, no, not specifically into that. I think it has more to do with head proportion. So yeah. I don't even buy the ones with skinny legs. I'm like, you need squatty legs to stand up. So if Those, you they if usually you, have a stand on them now. So they put a little stand only, on them. Yeah, so they, you're the only, Star Wars is the only one with stands. Yeah, I know. So anywho, anyway. all right, sounds good. That sounds like a good recommendation. So I'll definitely check that out. Yes, definitely do. And uh, I am excited to hear about your trip to Salt Lake. And hopefully I will have more to talk about with the uh, pandemic tour coming up and some other exciting things that will hopefully also be on the horizon. So, you know. All right. All right. We'll see you guys next time. See ya. Music provided by www.bensound.com and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. Total tent pulled.